tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Welcome to the Direct-to-Video Connoisseur. I'm losing my voice, but uh, I am Matt, and as always, I'm joined by Jamie. Jamie, how are you this evening? I'm doing very well. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So sad that we missed a week last week, which was my fault. No, 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 no. It was, it, I, I really, like I said, it was my, my fault for uh, not having prepared well enough. And of course, that's going to go down in history that last week's episode will be like the Steven Seagal one that I did uh, for my second episode ever. Uh, it's going to go down in history as one of those maybe I'll release it, maybe I won't kind of deal. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, you know, uh, I, I, I think for me I was like, oh, you know, the April Fool's movie, I'd seen it before, I had my blog post. I realized my blog post actually doesn't really talk about the movie that much. It kind of just talks about me being born on April Fool's Day. So, yeah, so... Um, I, I think it was one of those things where I think I, I, I should have prepared better for it. Um, cause, you know, I've done a couple solo ones before, but um, yeah, one of those deals. So uh, don't worry about it. Things happen, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I'm glad that we're getting to cover it anyway, even though we're a week late, because this is one of my favorite films. And so in honor of your birthday, I was all excited to do it, and I got disappointed that we didn't get to. So I'm glad we're picking it up right where we left I, off. I agree. I agree. And I just had to double check my levels to make sure we're good, but I think we're, we're set where we need to be uh, audio level wise. Yeah. I mean, that was part of, you know, I think part of why I, maybe I didn't prepare as well. Cause I, I definitely wanted to have this conversation. And I think even if I had been able to do a successful uh, episode last week, we still would have come back here and discussed this one because uh, like you said, it, it was one that, that, that is important for you as well. Um, and so it's kind of a fun one to talk about. Um, so, one of the things I, I mentioned I want to touch on about this episode that kind of um, um, 
isn't necessarily anything to do with the film itself, but I wanted to kind of see what you thought about this uh, as sort of a talking point before we get into the film. Um, the film has Biff in it, right, from Back to the Future. Um, yes. And I don't know if we've if I've brought this up on on this uh, on the show before, but um, you know, Biff being in Back to the Future, um, you know, 2015 is technically the future. We are technically in. Back to the Future 2, and I know uh, Jen and I, when we were watching, um, they were doing a marathon of Back to the Future on New Year's Day 2015 on one of the channels, like ABC Family or something, and we both had this feeling of like, ugh, kind of, when we realized that it was 2015, not because we don't have flying cars or, um, you know, big 3D image of Jaws trying to bite us or anything, um, or hoverboards or whatever, but because it's, we're here now, you know, when we were young, 2015 seems so far away, and it seemed like such a wonderful, glorious place, and, and now we're here. We're, we're kind of here now, and so, I don't know, whenever I see anything Back to the Future-wise, and, you know, looking at Biff being in this film, you know, kind of just brought that home again, that, you know, we're, we're here. There's no more future. We're now in the future. <laughs> it's true. Well, I feel that way about all that, well, when we passed, uh, when we went right through 1984, mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't as George Orwell predicted right. it would be. Yes. Uh, then Escape from New York uh, was supposed to be 1988, oh, right. um, and that was nothing like <laughs> like that was predicted to be. So it, you know, um, I, I get that all the time, and it, it feels so bizarre whenever you pass a time period that had once been considered futuristic. Mm-hmm. And uh, for a long time, like anything past 2000 was like, ooh, you know, Um, and, you know, here we are and we're in it and it really is not all that much different. No. You know, it's not all that much different. You know, that's the thing. I think we were expecting it to be, you know, um, uh, we're expecting it to be different. We were expecting it to be, um, yeah, we were expecting, you know, I mean, I guess flying cars. I remember when I was young. Um, in the 80s, um, there was a commercial for Energizer batteries saying that they would last until the year 2000. And I remember my mom said, ooh, 2000, <laughs> Matt, that's when you turn 21. You're going to be 21 in 2000. And I thought, hey, okay, you know. And, and of course, like, to, to, to demonstrate that it was the year 2000 because it was showing, like, um, this garage door opener and how the garage door opener would work through the year 2000 with this one battery in it. Um, they kept like opening it and showing new cars, and of course, the year two thousand, it shows the car lifting up off the ground and flying away. Um, and so, I, I I will always remember that 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 was it was such a fait accompli that the year two thousand was going to be um, flying cars. But when you think about it, flying cars are just a mess of just I, considering how difficult it is to make our roads work on the ground. Um, flying cars are probably <laughs> never going to happen, you know? I could see that. Well, imagine just that it's difficult enough for people to stay within lines when they have lines to follow, <laughs> but put them up in the sky where there are no lines to follow, and they're going to be all over the place. Exactly. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, what we're supposed to I mean, I guess if you could create hover uh, cars, you could create hover medians and hover traffic lights, but... <laughs> I mean, again, just more things for them to not follow. Exactly, it's just a mess. Yeah, and you know, the 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 chances of a fatal car accident on in the air just goes up exponentially. I'd imagine too. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So, um, I you know, I don't know. I'm I'm trying this thing out here on t- on 
Mixler where I can post on Twitter right now that we're on the air. And I want to see if it works, but... Yeah, I did that the last time I did a show, and it's kind of cool the way. I mean, I like the changes that Mixler has made to to make it a little bit easier for you. Yeah. Hey. Uh, I think it worked out pretty so you, well. You may get a uh, you may get a notification because I I I added you. I yeah, oh. I gave you the at in there. I said at at Navy <laughs> nineteen seventy four and me for the pod. So you might actually get a notification for that. But yeah, I mean, I I just I, I know it's like completely off topic of what the movie was tonight but you know seeing Biff again just made me made me think of that and um you know and it, we, we also have in this film um the the lead man from uh just one of the guys and so whenever I see him I think of his famous line from that film it's okay everybody she's got tits or he's got tits actually I believe is the line it's okay everybody he's got tits when um the female lead just one of the guys kisses him in front of everybody at the dance and everybody mm-hmm. gasps, thinking that the two of them are gay because it was so horrible in the mid-'80s to be gay unless you were uh, a hairdresser, I guess, or whatever the, the rules were back then. Yeah. Right, yeah, you could be a florist or a hairdresser. Or, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that, that guy with the raspy voice. Or you could be on Broadway. Broadway. That's right, on Broadway, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could be Charles Nelson Riley. That was... Because <laughs> that's immediately what I think of. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yes. And, of course, we also have Deborah Foreman here, uh, whom I always think of uh, with Valley Girl, yes, and uh, Nicholas Ca- along with Nicholas Cage, oh, yes. and Valley Girl, another movie that I love, and that's the that's the foremost performance of hers that always pops into mind, and then of course Friday fans, four Friday fans, um, uh, we have Amy Steele who was in Friday too. Mm-hmm. She was a final girl on Friday too. So, there are lots of recognizable people yeah, we've here. Got, we've got quite a crew. And then um, for um, people who uh, watch the blog, uh, Ken Oland uh, plays Rob. That you know, he's he's done some kind of like futuristic actioners, direct video actioners. Um, you know, you look at him now on his picture on IMDb. He doesn't look anything like a futuristic actioner kind of guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably a lot of futuristic actioners that have o- that are also. Uh, that also now take place in the past. I always love that. The future that's now the past when I watch a direct-to-video movie. Yeah. In the year 1992, the apocalypse happened. But I can't remember the names of any... I don't know if I've even reviewed a Ken Olent film, but, you know, seeing him in here, I guess I feel like, oh, there he is, Ken Olent. So, yeah, it's, you know... it. I, I So, you know, we were going to talk about how we each kind of have our own connections to this film or things we feel about it, but uh, one thing I always kind of feel about this film is that it really... Um, it 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 really is a product of its time. Like you, um, I don't even know if you could make this movie today and and make it work the way it did back then. I think the the feathered hair and the the polos and the boat shoes. Like I think you need some of that in there. I think the preppiness is required um, for this group of kids, especially considering who they are and you know the money that's involved. Uh, you know, the, her name being Muffy. <laughs> I mean, and, and that was the kind of thing that was just built for the 80s, you know. And it's like a, a whole room full of Alex P. Keaton's running around is what <laughs> it reminds me of. <laughs> but yeah, I think that, um, I mean, preppy, there is, I guess there's, there still is a preppy crowd today in today's youth, but I think it's, uh, it's different. Mm. Um, this was 
this just screamed 80s. And, of course, they did make a remake of this a few years back, which I don't know if you ever saw it. I, I reviewed it for the blog, but it's not a remake, is it? Or maybe I'm thinking of a different movie that... Um, the, the one, there was, there was an April Fool's Day remake, but it was completely different. And I, and it was intended to be a remake, but they changed it, which I think is really the only way you could do it. If you tried to retell this exact story, well, there's really no point because everyone would know the ending before you, you got there. So it's actually one of the remakes that I don't hate. I, I think it's okay because they attempted to reach out and do something um, do something fresh and different with it and, and really made an attempt to make it an original story but still keep a twist in there for April Fool's Day. So I kind of, I respect that and uh, I think it, I think they did an okay job. I mean, I don't think it's as fun as this one is but it's definitely serviceable. Yeah, I re I, I, I did not, I lost my ability to speak English is what happened there. I think I, I had a stroke or something. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. that's going to be bad in your Yeah, profession. we're in trouble, I know. But, um, no, um, I, I, um, I reviewed that one the, the year after. So I reviewed this one here, um, the 1986 one. I re- reviewed it for my 30th birthday. Uh, so six years ago I did that one. Um, and then the year after, I had, I had this idea that I was going to do an April Fool's movie because there's so many of them that have that name, but um, uh, th- it stopped after a third one. Um, there was a, an urban April Fool's Day that might have been the worst. Um, looked like it was shot on a home video or something. It was it was so bad. But I, I do remember doing that one, um, and I can't remember what my thoughts were on it, but I, I don't think I hated it either now that n- you mention it, which is important. Yeah, I mean, it it was a... Post Scream, you know, there's a there's a feel to the movies that have come out post Scream. You know, where they have they drag in people that you recognize, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. When beforehand, with horror films, particularly those aimed at teens and young people, there were they were populated with people that you didn't necessarily right. know. And then post Scream, everyone was dragging in people from the WB network and all of that. <laughs> so this is that in that sense, um, a more modern horror film, but it. You know, it was okay. I, there are. It was no prom night, and that's a good thing. And no prom night remake, and remake, and that is a good thing because the prom night remake is terrible. Mm. Um, it's just beyond terrible. But this, you know, wasn't wasn't all that bad. However, I still prefer this yeah. one. And uh, this was directed instantly by Fred Walton, who also did When a Stranger Calls and When a Stranger Calls Back. Um, when a Stranger Calls from 1979, When a Stranger Calls Back, I think, was 1993 or something like that. Way along, <laughs> way down the road after the first one. But um, anyway, so, I mean, he has done at least a couple things that are known, to, or at least this and When a Stranger Calls. I don't know how familiar most people are with When a Stranger Calls Back, but... Yeah. I don't um, think I've seen that fans one. Tend to know Stranger Calls. Yeah, I don't know if I've seen that one myself. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I do remember when Stranger Calls. Oh, and he also did. I can't believe I almost forgot this. He almost did this TV movie that I love from 1988. I want to say with Shawnee Smith and um, the girl. I can never remember her name, but she reminds me of Linda. She's like a young Linda Hamilton. And she was in Wishmaster. Ooh. And um, they, uh, there was a TV movie called I Saw What You Did with Robert Carradine where these two young girls were making prank phone calls. And what they would do is they would – and I think that was actually a remake. 
uh, of an older film. But they would call up people at random and just say, I know who you are and I saw what you did. Just to freak people Mm -hmm. out. Well, it turns out that Robert Carradine had just killed his girlfriend. (laughs) And so when they called him, he was like, oh, really? And so then he starts stalking them because he thinks that they actually witnessed him committing this murder. And it was pretty good. I mean, TV movies were pretty good back then. And um, I have not seen it in forever, but I would love to see that again. I need to try to see if I can dig that up. Um, it says here, Candace Cameron. That's one of the, you guys should check that out because you guys like TV movies too. Oh, so yes. you should dig it up. Oh, and so it had Candace Cameron was the younger sister of Shawnee Smith. Is that how that she was listed? Oh, she is. Oh, okay, I don't. Re- I didn't remember that, but maybe so. Yeah, yeah, that's about that. Yeah, it would have been about about the around the time when she was working. So, yeah, it, TV movies were a lot of fun in in. Probably like yes, I, I want to say like because you know even in the seventies like there were a lot of great ones in the seventies that I obviously didn't watch when they were new but they would they would air in the eighties on um you know a lot of local independent channels would do you know weekend movies um you know so you'd catch ones on like a Saturday afternoon um or or something mm-hmm. like that from the seventies you know um and um and and so I can remember I mean you know my dad would have them on or something like that or my mom. Um, and, and I think that's one thing that, that you know, the Lifetime movie is great. There, the Lifetime movie is fun. It, it, it's its own kind of entity. But the, the 80s and, and or 70s and 80s TV movie was a different deal. And part of it is you get guys like this who, who do a movie like April Fool's directing some of these. Oh, for sure. And they, are, they were a completely different entity. And I think in a lot of ways the, that Lifetime is sort of like the last holdout of the TV movie. Um, it's the closest thing you can probably get. I mean, sci-fi still does original movies, but <laughs> whatever. That's not the, <laughs> Those aren't good. Um, <laughs> but, you know, back when there was movie of the week, you know, um, or the – was it like the Sunday night movie or the Monday? I forget what the day of the week it was, but um, each, like all the networks would have their movies and like the movies of the week. And it was just, it was a completely different thing. And now I, you just, TV has changed so much because of the way that cable has gone and plus, you know, digital everything. I mean, people can watch actual films Anytime they want, you know, and back then it was different back then, you know, you kind of, you kind of looked forward to the TV moving and everything wasn't a television event. It was, you know, sometimes they would have a mini series that was really cool. And, um, but a lot of, it was just every movie you'd have a, I mean, every week you just have a movie and the, but they were good movies. Like, you know, Duel was a, t- was a television movie and it was an, I mean, you have, people who are trying really hard to make decent films and uh, Trilogy of Terror was a TV movie. Richard Matheson did a lot of writing for for TV and uh, that's quality right there. You know, there were writers and directors that you heard of and respected. Not all the time, but a lot of times. And anyway, I miss them. I miss them a lot. Yeah, you know what else I think kind of signaled the death knell of the TV movie was like Remember in the early 90s when it seemed like every TV movie was based on some, like, in the news, true story, like a, you know, couple. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Amy Fisher and Tanya Harding. And, you know, anytime anyone, particularly if it was a woman who did something crazy, (laughs) 
popped up in the news, you could count on there being a movie. And in the case of Amy Fisher, all three networks did three different versions <laughs> of her story. Yes. You know, and it's like, how many movies do we need about Amy Fisher? Well, three, apparently. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, they would immediately pick up on what was going on in the news. Now, I think that's like the job of Law and Order. Mm-hmm. That, or, well, I don't even know. Is SVU still on? Because they used to do that. Um, I don't even know anymore. Like, I have no idea what goes on in television I, <laughs> for the most part. I, yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it, it is. It's a, it's a different landscape now. And, and I think, you, I think you're, you're, you hit the nail on the head, too, that, like, um, you know, it's a combination of, like, you know, the 90s where, you know, it was the true story. It was whatever was flashy in the news they had to make the movie about. And then, like you said, I think everybody has access to everything now. And so even if you think about it, when it comes to uh, TV movies, you know, we can get a lot of them on YouTube or something like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, so it's... And I do. I mean, when I'm when I have insomnia and I'm up late at night, um, and you, if I've come across something good, I'll send you guys a message. Yes. I'm like, look, I was just watching this yes. on YouTube. It'll be like three thirty in the morning, and I'm digging up, you know, some bulimia movie or something mm-hmm. <laughs> on YouTube. Whatever I come across, but um, yeah, so they're they're still out there. I need. I really need to see if I saw what you did is oh. out there because now I really want to oh, see that's, it. I know that one looked good. That and I, That's one I think Jen would definitely like to check out if she hasn't seen it. Or even if she had seen it already, I think she'd want to see it again. But Oh yeah, I mean if it may not be nothing, it may not be anything like I remember it being because I probably haven't seen it since maybe the 90s. Because like, you know occasionally they re-air them but I don't I've seen it in probably 20 years so it may not be as good as I remember it being um, because in 88 I was 14 so what I considered good when I was 14 may not at all be what I consider good now but you know I would be I definitely want to go back and check it out mm-hmm. yeah you know and, and that's you know that's a thing too it's uh, it's interesting I think is that a lot of these films um, you know some, sometimes you watch one from the 80s and you go Yes, it's still it was bad. I I didn't like it. I don't know why I liked this back then because it's bad. But I think a lot of times there's a a certain I don't want to say nostalgia, but there's a certain um aesthetic from the '80s. It's just kind of fun to watch. Like like I was saying with this movie, how you know the feathered hair and the the preppy look. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like if it's a product of its time, it kind of has enough in it that even if it wasn't as good as you remember, um, sometimes there's enough there that there's a, enough of a novelty factor that makes it a fun watch. Oh yeah, and this is like right. This is like the people in this movie are like right in there with all the like the Rob Lowe, Demi Moore, Brat Pack kids when they were had all those movies coming out, um, like Class um, with Rob Lowe and Andrew McCarthy and um, I think Jacqueline Bissett played Rob Lowe's mother that had the affair with Andrew McCarthy. I don't know. I mean, yes. but all of those those kinds of movies like with the preppy kids this is like the horror version of that you know so they all kind of smoosh in there together <laughs> and feel very i feel very nostalgic uh with this film just the and you're right about the aesthetics there's a certain look and feel there's the music i always liked the score to this film quite a bit um and, and there's just I don't know, the whole thing, it looks, it just looks and feels different. You know, the other night we were watching The Hunger, and that movie starts out with, uh, in a club, with Bauhaus playing, um, um, uh, what is it, um, Bela Lugosi's oh, Dead. Yes. 
and then and it's like this uh like euro trashy early 80s club with just the, i mean looking at the clothes and it has that hazy look to it it just felt so 80s i could scream you know? <laughs> but in all the best ways in all the best ways and everything had and i was talking to brian then and i was like god movies back then just had a feel to them they had a look and a feel and even if you didn't know when it was made you could take that movie you could take nine and a half weeks you could take any movie that was made from around this period and go yes i know when this movie was made just because of the way it looks because of the the like the synthy soundtrack um just that they all had that hazy look about them it just there there's a certain feel to it and i think every era has that you can pick out a 70s movie you can pick out a 90s movie even though I've always kind of felt about the 90s, even when we were in them, that they never, that the 90s didn't seem to have a thing of its own. I felt like it was just, because I don't know if you remember back then, but like fashion was pull, pulled a lot from the 60s. Um, like the hippie culture came back and uh, people were wearing like low slung jeans and bell bottoms and, and things like that. And I was just like, God, it feels like we're dragging it out of the 60s. Why can't we do something of our own? Um, but it just seemed like a, a mishmashy melding of a bunch of other stuff, and it didn't really seem very. I guess grunge maybe was the '90s thing, but even that was just clothes you already had. They just were dirty. You know? <laughs> well, that was the thing. I think the '90s was like all about retro, right? It was the '60s, yeah, and then yeah. the '70s had a little bit of a time, and then mm-hmm. the '80s. I remember um, when when we were in high um, seniors in high school, or maybe it was actually. I guess it was earlier than that. Because I remember the totally '80s CD. Do you remember that that double disc that they would sell on on okay. yeah. yeah? And so my my buddy had the double tape, and we would go out and cause problems, you know, um, uh, you know, <laughs> do our, our our high school bad things while playing like Karma Chameleon and you know whatever you know things like that. And of course, my buddy's mom had the uh, the 12 inch. Um, actually, no, it wasn't the 12 inch single. It was the actual LP of uh, uh whatever album that was. Um, Paint by Numbers? Is that what it was called? The Culture Club album uh, that had Karma Chameleon on it? The paint, I had the single. I actually had the Karma Chameleon <laughs> single. I still have it. I still have oh, it. Nice. Um, but I don't, uh, I don't remember what LP that was on because yeah. I just bought the single. I remember I had gotten some money from my parents because I did something. I don't know. I, I got like an, some A's in school. I don't know what I did. But anyway, I got some money from my parents for something. And they took us to the record store. And we could pick out whatever we wanted. And I got the Karma Chameleon single. Nice. The, the, 45, the 45. <laughs> I just dated the hell out was, of was myself. Was it a 45 right? or a cassette? It was a 45. 45. Wow. See, yeah, see, the, the yeah. 45s for me, I was like on the cusp. Like Jen, Jen is all about the 45s. I was like on the cusp of, uh, of, of, of 45s and cassette singles. Um, but the. Well, I had a shit ton of cassette singles too that I still have. I don't get rid of stuff like that. I don't know why, but I still. Have them oh, all. It's good to have. Well, like, see, the reason why I never had the 45s, actually, is my parents had a record player with no needle, and they didn't want to go to Radio Shack and get a new needle for their record player. So we... It was kind of a bitch. I mean, I remember when our record player needles, because we had a couple of spares, and when those ran out, because we had one of those big, um, like, console record players mm. that was also, like, storage cabinet, and it was an 8-track player, and it was, you lifted up the wooden mm. lid, and the stereo and stuff was underneath, and so it was all hidden within a cabinet. It was like a piece of furniture. 
And um, that's what we had. And when the needles broke and the last needle broke, it was like, well, that's it. No more records. We can't, <laughs> we can't play any more records. And then I got a Fisher-Price um, turntable one year. And I played records on that until the needle broke. And then, like, when I was in my early, early teens, I got a stereo with a turntable for my birthday. And I played records on that until the needle broke. But it was like once the needle broke, it was like, that's it. It's too much trouble to, fi <laughs> to fix the needle. Just We're not doing that anymore. But I also had the Debbie Gibson Out of the Blue LP. Nice. And um, I had the Tiffany single. I think we're alone now, which I don't even know why, because that song got so much radio yes. play. It was on my nerves. <laughs> I have no idea why I ever got that single. <laughs> and also at the police, every breath you take, I had that 45 too. Nice. Two. You know, kind of a little <laughs> off topic here about the, the Debbie Gibson one. Um, I remember Tony Danza used to have a talk show, and uh, Debbie Gibson, I believe she was Deborah at that time, she was a guest, and he had that same out of the blue um, oh, the white yes. album with the blue, like out of the blue, yes. and the <laughs> he had her sign it. Yes. He had her sign it for him. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome! Oh. Yeah, I still have that. I still have that, and uh, I used to sit and listen to that over and over and over again. And so I was going to be the next Debbie Gibson. <laughs> In my mind, that's that was the plan. Didn't happen. How, how did? <laughs> How did this not come up when we did uh we did the Mega Shark movie with or Mega Shark and Mega Shark and she? Oh, you know I don't know. I don't. Know. <laughs> you conveniently left that out in that first episode. <laughs> Maybe I wasn't as comfortable with our audience, and I didn't want to share that much embarrassing crap. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Debbie, Gibson. yeah. So yeah, I mean, in, in this film would have been right in that right eighty six. Would that have been right around? Or no, she eighty eight. She was like 87, 88, 88, I guess. Eh, somewhere around in there. How old was I? 88, I would have been 14. She might have been even later than that. I don't know if I was 14 or 16 when I was doing that. Oh, my God, that's embarrassing. Um, but this was, yeah, this was like just before her. Yeah, because she was young when she, she I think she was like mm -hmm. the youngest uh, person. Maybe she was 16 and I was 14. Because I want to say we were close in age, but she was a little bit older than me. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, because she was, I think she she has the record for being the youngest songwriter. That go, yeah, she was a big deal. Yeah. It was a big deal. Yeah, no, no, she's in the <laughs> asylum. Oh, well, yeah, that's, that's completely off topic. <laughs> we haven't said word one about April we, Fool's Day. We, we, we start, every time we got to get into it, we find ourselves on <laughs> Yes. Well, well, let's talk about, um, I mean, because, you know, for me, obviously, the film, it's my birthday, April Fool's Day, and I, I always kind of feel like the, bir the birthday's kind of apt for me, I guess, because, you know, I am, uh, you know, I, I, Pity. yeah, I'm kind of a goofball, I kind of, you know, say goofy, you know, so, so it kind of fits with me, but, you know, I, I always get the questions, is it really your birthday, you know, especially um, with things like, like, you know, I went through a whole rash of it now with Skype, because um, I use my Skype account for, uh, for work. So a lot of my colleagues were like, is it really your birthday today? Well, if it is, happy birthday. It's like, yes, it's my birthday. I'm not kidding. I'm not joking. Um, but um, That's an elaborate joke. Yes. If you, because that means that on your profile right. or everything, you would have to put April Fool's Day as your birthday yeah. on, like, if, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Skype, whatever. Just so it would, just so when you, you know, when you create your profile, you would do that. Just so when April Fool's Day rolls around, it would say it's your birthday, and it wouldn't be true. That is, that is a lot of dedication yeah. to it. I really don't want people to know my real birthday. Yes, 
I, I remember a kid I went to school with told me I, I had forgotten all about this until we talked about the the fake birthday. She said, "What if your 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 birthday wasn't a different day and your parents were just fooling you every year?" And uh, I was like, you know, I think she was like ten when she said that to me, and and I was like, y- you think that my parents would do that? Like, you know, ten years of the same joke. And she, yeah. But, no. You know, I guess when you're 10, you think those, you know, I mean, I guess, too, when you're 10, you just realize your parents just pulled off this elaborate prank for the past uh, however many years to tell you that some big red, you know, big guy in a red suit was delivering the presents that your uh, your parents were going into six months of credit card or a year of credit card debt in to pretend that a big red man delivered them. So I guess if they would go to those lengths to, to cover up their um, their their um, present buying uh, capacity. Um, you know, maybe it's not that inconceivable after we all just found out that there is no Santa Claus, that, yes, what other lies would our parents tell us? And, you know, Matt, maybe your parents were lying to you about your birthday all those years. And I wish I had parents like that. At least they'd be fun. Right. You know? Exactly. <laughs> parents with one hell of a sick, sick twisted sense of humor. I'd, you yeah. know, gonna, that'd be all right. Mm-hmm. That, would, that could be the next April Fool's movie. That's the, the next one is that, you know. He, he finds out his parents weren't. He, he finds out he wasn't born in April Fools. It was a lie, and so he goes out on a killing spree. Uh, Uva Bull directed it. <laughs> <laughs> rampage three, April Fools. Right, that's his third Rampage movie. What? I wasn't born on April Fools' Day. <laughs> I'm the April Fool. This is a this is a travesty. I must go out and kill a bunch of people. I don't know why Uwe Boll is saying it. He's he never acts in his own films. He never has Germans act in his films either. They're always American, so I don't know why it just the German accent. I felt like I needed to do it. It's okay. It's okay. I and I know you just wanted just to. Want, <laughs> I just wanted to do a German accent. Yeah. <laughs> Everything has to end in yeah. So that's what do you, do I mean? Do you actually like this movie, or do you just feel like Ken? No, like I, a, I like a the movie. Yeah, to no, it. I enjoy okay. it. Um, it and it is because um, I, I enjoy it because it is that that eighties. I don't know the eighties. You know, the eighties teen slasher film. It has that kind of fun element to it that I I really enjoy, and I like the cast. Um, I like that it is a product of its time. Um, all of that really works. I mean, I think if you know. I think this exact movie, had it been made in the 90s or the, the 2000s, I don't think I would enjoy it as much. Um, but it does. It, it does feel like that. It has that feel. You know, it's at the camp, so it kind of has a sort of uh, Friday the 13th kind of feel to it. Um, and so, so all of it works for me on that level. Um, so that's why I enjoy it. But, but how about you? I know this is one of your favorites as well. It's one that you really enjoy. It is. Um, I have a long history of loving this film, uh, starting from... When I went to see it, uh, when it was released, my mom and I went to the drive-in to see it. We used to go to the drive-in all the time to see horror movies, ever since I was little bitty, um, because my mom really liked the drive-in. And so now, consequently, I really love the drive-in. But this is one that we went to the drive-in to see it together, and I remember... um, You know, watching the whole thing with her, and we were all into it, and then when the ending came... She was mad. She <laughs> she wanted them all dead. She was she was mad because she wanted them all dead. And she's like, "Why are they dead?" And <laughs> but we still liked the movie. She was just like, "Ah!" I think she was just irritated that it got oh, her. Yeah. You know, uh, I thought it was funny. I-, I loved the ending. I thought it was you know really uh, original and kind of fantastic. And then more recently, 
recently, when Brian and I met, this is the first movie that we watched together. The first film together. Yeah. And, you know, both of us being huge horror fans, like we are, this uh, was the first one when we decided to watch a movie together. I was like, let's... And he's a big slasher Mm. fan, too. And so that this was the first one we shared so it will always be special to me for that which is now um why i bought i recently bought a poster of this film and it's the original one sheet uh that i got and it's in fantastic condition and i got it for a fantastic price so i was really excited about that so now i have the original one sheet of this movie hanging in my house wow that's so cool so yeah i think that's always a a kind of a special thing Especially when you're you're a couple that are movie lovers. Um, I, um, you know, Jen and I are are. It's interesting because we kind of have two, uh, first movies. Um, you know, our first one that we really watched together was A Mighty Wind. Um, and so that was when she brought some movies with her when she was we, we were visiting. Uh, she was up and visiting me. Um, and you know, it, she had a really long flight. She came in. We wanted to kill some time, and so we got we made some drinks and we watched A Mighty Wind. Uh, so we ended up using some music for that for our wedding. Um, so that's Aww. yeah. So so that's one. And then the other film that we kind of share is this film called Wicked, which is a, um, a direct-to-video film starring Julia Stiles. That when she when we first were talking, yeah, yeah Wicked. It's a, <laughs> no, it, she's like fourteen or fifteen in it. Um, but um, it, it's got some real like Lifetime movie guys in it. You know, some real people that you'd recognize. It also has Michael Parks in it, which is great. Um, but when she found out I did, you know, I d- reviewed direct-to-video movies, she was like, oh, I have one that I really enjoy that you should check out. Um, so I just went and bought it and reviewed it for the blog. And then, so that's kind of like, so we kind of have two in that vein. But I know what you mean. Like, that that, that movie, that movie that's your first movie, I think is always a good one. And I think, you know, it's kind of cool that we can talk about this one here. Mm-hmm. Did you guys do Skype movie? Like, did you Skype movies together when you were... No. Before you before you got together, Brian and I, we would both either pull up the same movie on Netflix or we would put in our DVDs and then just sync it. And he would always have to do the count, um, like you know, three, two, one, play. Um, and <laughs> and we would be on Skype and we would watch movies together that way. Before we actually moved in together, obviously, we don't do that anymore. I guess we could. I guess we could, but that would be kind of silly. Yes. You know, it's, it's kind of funny about how all of those things. Uh, when you when you finally are together, a lot of the things that were necessary expenses before, like you know, make sure making sure you have a lot of text messages. Well, you know, now I don't need to text message as much anymore. You know, or uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I just as a matter of fact, this month. I just downgraded my cell phone plan because I'm like, why am I paying so much money when I don't even use it hardly anymore uh, compared to what I did? And uh, now I'm just paying extra money for nothing. So I just downgraded my plan. Um, so it's funny you should say that because that is one of the things, you know, that's uh, where one one less Netflix account. Right. Yes, we did that. That's two. That's us too. We had that Yes, we did that too. We, we we decided to go. We combined mine and we yeah. So now yeah, we have a jetted map. But it's it's interesting because we like I think I try to keep my um because we 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 kind of use mine and then she has has her own as well. Um, but uh, with mine, I try not to have anything too gross as far as a horror film or anything up near the top. Um, just so it's not too bad to look at. But um. But yeah, we, we do like it's it's always kind of you know it's a good thing to kind of you know like you said you combine those things um, 
and uh, and she she has the the Amazon account as well, so she has a, a lot of good shows and things on there too that we we watch together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I never thought of that. No, you know, usually what would happen is is that I would get done work and then we would chat in the evening, and so it was kind of like a you know whatever was on, um, you know. Uh, I, one thing I always remember is that she would sometimes play uh, Soul Train, which I used to, you know, she has the, the DVDs about Soul Train, so you hear some, like, really great music in the background. Oh, wow, I didn't know that that was re- released on DVD. Yeah, I'm not... Is it, like, whole episodes? I don't remember if it's whole episodes. It might be whole episodes. Um, I think you can do whole episodes, and I think it's, like, got some, some different... I used to love Soul Train on Saturday morning. Yeah, I, see, I, I grew up in New England, which I, I'm not going to... I, I don't know if there's a, a delicate way to say this about New England, but especially in the 80s. Um, but it's not a very diverse part of the country, um, especially Maine. Especially Maine. Um, so Soul Train was often on at like 2 or 3 in the morning in the Boston market uh, on the weekends. So it was, you know, you, you could not get Soul Train Saturday mornings like that. It was a very, it was a very hard thing to find. Um, it, ah. Yeah. Never thought about that. I just figured it had the same time slot everywhere. But, yeah, yeah, no, because huh. it's syndicated. So, yeah, I know. I think Jen said it was Saturday huh. mornings for her, too. But uh, I believe, I mean, I could be totally wrong about this. I could be thinking of just, like, only the Shamar Moore years um, and not the, the, the Don Cornelius. But, yeah. Yeah, oh, my goodness. Don Cornelius, the most unlikely host of a music show <laughs> yes. ever. When, when uh, he seemed so old and serious. And <laughs> He used to kind of frighten me because he was so serious all the time. <laughs> he was great. There's a they um the VH1 did a um a documentary on Soul Train and they show the one time that he went down the Soul Train line, which is the best. Oh, I never saw yeah. that. Oh, that must have been hilarious. Did he just walk? No, <laughs> I picture him just walking with his hands yeah, down by his no, side. No, he he could cut a rug. He had moves. He That's did it. Cool. Yeah, I, I know Jen showed because Jen found the uh, the documentary, the VH1 documentary on YouTube. So it had like kind of the whole thing. It talked about Shalimar. It talked about how the the, whole, the rise of you know all of that stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. So I know, good old Don Cornelius. Yeah. I want to say yeah. He I think he must have stopped doing the show in like the early '90s. I think is when they passed it over to Shamar Moore. Yeah, it was something like yeah. that because I think uh, I stopped watching it once I you know went off to college, and so it was around that time. Yeah. Yeah. Beefy Beard said he dressed well. He definitely dressed well. He could. Yeah, he he had it down. He had the whole thing, but yeah, the the voice it was a stone gas. I mean, that was, yeah. But yeah. Oh, beard. Hi, Gary. <laughs> I know. <laughs> hey, he didn't show up in the list. The list of listeners. I know. We 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 might. You know, all these times, I I think we're 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 only talking to Brian. It's possible that there are many people out there that just we don't. You know, they Sorry. don't show up on the list, and so we you know. Yeah, they they may be other, and we'll talk about April Fool's exactly. Day. <laughs> They're sitting there going, oh, we didn't come here for Soul Train. We came here for April Fool's Day. I want to hear about the penis rip. I want to hear, you know. The, the, what, what, what would you call that A pe- if you were going to tag it on IMDb? A penis disarticulation? I don't know what it would. Oh, man, I don't know. It's like an early bobbit. Early bobbit, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I remember. Painful. Yes. Hashtag, holy yes. shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I remember a movie Street Trash had a penis rip in it. It was just like you know, uh, um, and then like it was like the guy penis got pulled off, and then they were like throwing it around. 
Um, and I remember the show Buzz and Tony's Drive. Do you remember that Buzz and Dr- Tony's Drive-In Reviews on Comedy Central? I don't think so. Yeah, it was these two kind of goofball guys that would talk about. Um, uh, they would, it would talk. They would talk about. Um, Whatever bad right. movies, you know, but they they mm-hmm. kind of go over like do you know like a Cliff Notes version of them, and they were talking about this that film Street Trash. I don't know if you have ever seen that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah with yeah. the penis toss, and they're like, "Oh, we've got a penis toss," and they were throwing them around, you know, showing them throwing it around and everything. And so I was like, "I've got to find Street Trash." And then of course now it's like you can get it on DVD, like a special edition version of it, and it's you know, I mean that's that, that's that's the world we live in now. Is that in the eighties you had to like go through like four or five video stores to find street trash in a version that was like, you know, the tracking was messed up on the tape, it had been partially chewed, and, you know, you got to watch, like, part of the film with, like, those little gray lines on it, and you know, (laughs) now there's a special edition DVD that costs 30 bucks for um, Blu-ray of street trash, so, yeah. Nothing like the 2015s. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, we may not have flying cars, but we've got Blu-ray special edition. Street trash, Now, now, Beefy Beard said he also, like your mom, was not a fan of the ending of uh, April Fool's. I know that a lot of people uh, felt that way. There are a lot of people now who feel that way. I I think most of the people I know, and I know Gary very well, and we do shows together pretty frequently, and he's a sweetie. Um, Most of the people I know think pretty highly of this film. I guess maybe part of that is nostalgia, part of the, I don't know. But there are a, a... quite a few people out there who don't like mm-hmm. it that it ends up being in the end which i really don't think it matters um as far as it being a slasher it still is i mean you still get all of the same elements mm-hmm. that you get from a slasher you get the the same goriness the same setups the same characters the same kills it just so happens that at the end they all come back you know, and I really don't think that that detracts from the film at all. I think that it's, um, I think it's clever and and original and really fun. The only thing that the only thing I don't like about this film is at the very end, like the very very final shot, when the Jack in the Box winks. Yes. That makes no sense to me. I don't get that at all. <laughs> But other than that, I love this movie. But that damn jack o' lantern, jack o' lantern, that damn jack in the box winking drives me nuts every time. I'm like, why are you winking? That doesn't make any sense. You're not alive. Yeah, well, you know, and I can understand too, kind of maybe where where uh, uh, Beefy Beard has a problem with the ending too, because you think about it, April Fool's jokes aren't always supposed to be good, right? Uh, in fact, most of them are annoying to the people who aren't being fooled. Um, and so, on that sense too, you know, I mean. That, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying you're supposed to annoy your audience. Like, it, you, you, you should never. That, that, that's not a good excuse for doing something in a film. But you know, it, it's, it fits with an April Fool's joke that some people are like, "Oh, come on, really?" You know, like just, just put the buzzer handshake thing away, and I, I'm done. <laughs> well, and what I've noticed this year more than any other year is I've seen a lot of posts on April Fool's mm-hmm. Day. On Facebook and Twitter, where people were saying, "Okay, I'm sick of the jokes yeah. now." Okay, April Fool's Day, ha, ha Like people have no tolerance for April Fool's Day anymore, and I didn't realize that was a thing until this year. And I saw a lot of people posting about it. I'm like, God, why is everybody so mad about April Fool's Day? Just have fun with it. And yes, there are some dribble glasses, and yes, people <laughs> stick whoopee cushion, whoopee cushions under you, or 
they may I don't know I mean some of them are more mean spirited um, but really just take a joke you know I've never understood why people just get so upset about pranks or practical jokes as long as they don't hurt you or cause any real damage to anything I don't really see the harm but people don't seem to have to be lighthearted as they used to be yeah. <laughs> I mean, they seem to just have no tolerance for people yeah say. I you know I mean I guess for, for my end of it I have a unique um, exp- you know um, interact or I, my, my, my experience is unique just because um, being that it is my birthday growing up people were always like trying to target me for April Fool's jokes which seem to make no sense like what you know the one guy who's not going to forget it's April Fool's day is the guy whose birthday it is so Oh, that's that's a good yeah, point. Yeah, so it yeah. never made any sense. Like, in fact, I was overly suspicious. I would be like, come on, really, that's an April Fool's joke. And they're like, no, no, I'm serious. You know, like, I want to give you this, or I want you to have this. It's your birthday, or whatever. And I'm like, fine, you know, you're, I'm just going to not eat this food or whatever. Um, and it may have been perfectly good. Um, <laughs> How much cool stuff did you throw away <laughs> out of suspicion oh, over, well, over well, the years? If it wasn't How wrapped, many times on your birthday did you get those candles it won't blow uh, out. You know, I'm trying to think. So, yeah, that kind of thing, yes. I, you know, one thing, what I would do with those, I learned to, to take um, uh, my fingers and, like, you know, kind of moisten. Spit on Yeah, and, and put this, I'd, I'd put them out with my, my finger, my forefinger and thumb. After I did that once, people stopped using the, the doesn't blow out candles thing. Um, so, so that was that. Um, boy, uh, yeah, food, um, you know, if, if, it, if it wasn't wrapped already, um, you know what I mean? If it wasn't in a sealed, you're like a parent on Halloween. It, well, now I don't care. You know, now I, I I don't I don't expect to be pranked. But growing up, I just you know it just was one of those things where I was like, okay, what is somebody going to try to pull? Um, you know, and I don't really remember getting getting hit with any really bad ones. Like I don't remember um falling for any that really really uh, got me because I think because of that because I was always so vigilant. But um one that I remember was the the kids at the bus stop. Which was this is probably one of the lamest pranks ever. Um, I got to the bus stop and they said, "Oh, we already missed the bus." And I'm like, "Well, what are you all doing here?" And they said, "Well, we're just gonna hang out. We figure we're gonna miss the bus. We're just gonna skip school today." I'm like, "Oh, well, I'm gonna skip school with you." I'm like, "No, no, you should go home and get a ride from your mom. You don't. We don't want you to miss the whole day too." I'm like, "No, if you're gonna <laughs> skip, it's my birthday. I should be able to skip, right? You know." And and then the bus came. They're like, "April Fools." And I'm like, "How is it April Fools? I wasn't fooled." I stayed here, <laughs> you know, and they were like, we got you. And I'm like, how did you get me? No, you yeah. didn't. But, um. Oh, this past, uh, you know, I was working at a restaurant and this uh, past April Fool's, this couple comes in and at the end I go to hand them their bill and she's like, oh, give it to Melissa. She said she would pay for it. And I said, okay. <laughs> and then her husband goes, remember what day it is. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you had to work that long day too. You didn't get me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you didn't oh, get me. But yeah. they were so proud of themselves. Yes. He's like, "Oh, remember what day it is?" Yes. I'm like, "Yep, sure do." I'm at work. <laughs> of course, I remember. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, what's the thing that's fun is when when like when kids try to pull the pranks. I enjoy those. Like when my nephew tries to get me with something. Like that's great because it's you know it's it's you know I I I I will sit on the whoopee cushion all day you know if he if he puts it down there but I know like I I kind of took the fun out of April Fools I have to admit I was really bad about it like when someone would pull a prank I would get really like overly sarcastic I think I think like 
the whole Facebook thing now where you said people are, are over the day, I think I had it before that, and I just, you know, I, I when I look back on myself, I would have smacked myself upside the head for the way I behaved on April Fool's Day back then. I was Mr. Know-it-all, thought I was so smart, you know. Oh, oh, mm-hmm. somebody trying to fool me with something here? Oh, look at me. Oh, is this a whoopee cushion? I don't see this here. Oh, you know, and then I would sit in it and be like, oh, you got me. Oh, my God, and then I would just look and be like, Really, Matt? You know, okay, we get it that you knew it was a joke, you know. Um, and so I, I think if I look back on myself now, I probably wasn't, you know, I wasn't the, you know, I, I could have, I could have been a little bit better about it. Um, but you know, I think in my my by the time my teen years came around, I just I I didn't, you know, I I I, I thought the whole April Fool's thing. I I had had enough. If there had been a Facebook, then I probably would have, you know. Lost some Facebook friends. <laughs> <laughs> I would have made, been a, become an internet meme, probably. People probably would have been, re, re, you know, screenshotting me and putting it all over the internet and being like, what a tool this guy is. <laughs> <laughs> well, my favorite reaction, this is Amy Steele. At the end, we're ha, ha, ha. I love that because she's just like, she's so pissed yes. off. <laughs> Well, I mean that this was an April Fool's. This was this was like the jerkiest April Fool's joke, but it's also a kind of a relief April Fool's joke, which I think, um, in that sense, it's like I mean it's not fun. Nobody wants to be put through hell for oh the guy freaking out in the closet. Yeah, there were some good ones in this. Oh, that that's phenomenal. When he comes running out and he's just ah ah, and even okay when when the the guy from the ferry pops up. And takes the like peels the the appliance off his mm-hmm. face and sticks it on his face and he's just standing there screaming. Mm-hmm. He still doesn't get right. it. He's got this this plastic appliance on his face and he still doesn't understand that it's a joke. <laughs> then he breaks out and goes running in there, <laughs> yes. screaming. And it takes him a few seconds to get a handle on what's happening. His reaction is fantastic. I. I, that is some great acting. I don't even know how they how they got him to do that. It's it's almost like he really thought everyone was dead, <laughs> and then they just sort of released him because that was um that was pretty damn good. Yeah, you know, it had this this movie had its its moments, and I, I think I think you know yeah. I mean, I, I guess maybe because for me, um, I didn't associate the bad parts of of April Fool's Day with this day with this movie because maybe because I'm separate from it. Um, and I could watch it as a as an outside observer and, and be entertained by it. But I thought it just had a lot of fun in it. It and like you know, like you said, moments like that um, that just were a lot of fun. And and I think that's what you want from a, a, a slasher film called April Fool's Day in 1986. You want it to be a lot of fun. Well, precisely. And you know, back then everyone wasn't so nihilistic like they are mm-hmm. now. And th- this is. The kind of thing that totally makes sense for the 80s uh, is to have a good, ha- I mean, and, and of course, not everything had a happy ending. The majority of your slashers didn't, at, at least for everyone but one person. Um, this being the exception, but it totally fits. You know, it's it's just people weren't so dark mm. back then, and everything wasn't so heavy. Even slashers where people are getting killed violently somehow seemed lighthearted in a sense you know um and i guess it was just the approach to it and the feel to it and that it was all in fun you know for us the audience um 
Yeah. I don't know if something like that would, I don't know how it would play out today. Yeah, yeah. I think this film, it exists before the, the black cloud of cynicism that we called the 90s or maybe even the, the early <laughs> 2000s. Uh, took hold of our world, and you know, even though the '80s had Reagan, which was not the most fun thing, um, and I guess for part of it, it still had the Cold War. Um, overall, the '80s were were a lot of fun, and and I think this film is indicative of that of, of that time. Right. Yeah. I mean, today everyone just wants, and I like a good dark ending on occasion. Don't get me wrong, I I like it when a film is dark and heavy and like really serious. Sometimes, not all the time, you know. Um, but there's this need right now for everyone to die, for everyone, everything to be bleak, for everything to just be inescapable and just horrible. And the implications at the end of the film are just, oh, it's all doomsday. Um, and I, I, I kind of like when there's a relief from that on occasion. You know, it's like, hey, I still get to watch all the goriness and and people getting killed and the the chills and the spills that I love of a slasher film, but in the end everyone's fine, and I think that's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. And B- Beefy Beard brought up uh, Summer School, which was also a lot of fun with the uh, the way they did um, the the fake killing uh, yes. with Chainsaw. Which of course we had another Summer School alum in this film, Ken Oland, I believe, was in Summer School. Um, did I call him Ken Holland? I think I got his name right, uh, but. Yeah, yeah that's right. I believe you know, but my favorite, of course, was was Chainsaw, uh, Dave Marshak from uh, Ski School. <laughs> that guy is just—if you ever seen um, the Ski School movies, Ski School one and two, uh, they were direct-to-video kind of ski romp deals. But um, yeah, I saw one. I never saw two. I don't remember the guy's real name. It's a, it's a famous name, like the last name's famous. But he's Dave Marshak in those films, and that's what I always when I see Chainsaw, I think of Dave Marshak. But uh, well, so I guess we're giving this two thumbs up. If uh, well, sorry can't because it's copyrighted we can't say that but we're both giving this a, a positive a, a plus sign they're both dead now who's gonna the, sue? i think whoever owns the rights to that show does isn't there still a, a syndicated show that's like at the movies or something that's oh i don't um, know i don't I, know i just what today it's funny though because just today we watched life itself the documentary about roger mm. ebert which is really good by mm, the way yeah i was bawling my face off by the end of that by the end of that film, it's really, really good. But um, so anyway, yeah. Well, we are both recommending it highly. <laughs> both highly recommending yeah. it. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that that, like I said, there are those out there who are who are unhappy with everything, and we kind of spoiled it if you've never seen it, I guess. Yeah. But <laughs> it's still, you know what? It's it's still worth it, especially if you're a slasher fan. You get all the elements that you would get from the slasher films of the '80s that you love. And characters who aren't douchebags. That's another thing yes. we talked about. Is that you notice when... I mean, they goof around and they're kind of obnoxious and drunk and all of that when they're partying. But the moment they think that one of their friends is in trouble, every one of them drops what they're doing to go try to help him. To go try to find him. You know, when Amy Steele and her boyfriend come back and say that they just saw the guy floating underneath the, the boathouse... And they run back and tell everyone. The guys take yes. off to go and, and try to find him. Like, these are good kids. These are nice people. They care about their friends. Yeah, like you said, they're not they're not douchebags. And I think that's... No. Yeah, I think that's a, a good deal as well, too. I think that, you know... Well, nowadays, it's hard to find a film where there aren't, like, half the characters or sometimes even all the characters are so reprehensible. You don't give a shit 
what happens yeah. to them. But here, these are just good kids. You know, they get they have they get a little crazy. They have a little fun, but they're at their heart, they're good and they're caring, fun, loving, just good-natured individuals. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's something I miss from movies back then too. Having likable characters that you can get behind and care yeah. about. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So that's that's this film, April Fool's Day. We're both giving that one a positive. It's a good film. Uh, it's, I think I agree. It's it's it, you, you like you said too. The the characters are likable. You're gonna like seeing some of these people you recognize, uh, and and I think the '80s aspect of it. It's it's just a product of its time, but it it, it really works as well in that capacity. Um, so before we get into the uh, what have you been up to recently segment of our show, uh, Jamie, I wanted to mention I had a chance to listen to the Liken It podcast, the most recent one that you've you've had here, and um, yeah, Aww. I thought it was really great. So everybody out there, uh, horophilia um, on your iTunes or, or uh, you know however you do that, I do it through iTunes. Um, I I, um, I I think you had to I think you have to get it through horophilia. Um, but I don't remember how I downloaded. I just know that I had it um, and listened to it, and I thought it was great. Brian, of course, uh, uh, who who uh, is always pitching in here on our show with uh, tech support and in, in the chat. Uh, and Gary here, at Beefy Beard. That's Gary. That's right. So you had. That's right. So so both of the people in our audience were on that show. So you guys also both <laughs> did a great job. So really like that one. I saw that Wolf Cop is now on Netflix. So maybe that's something we need to look at. Uh, it yes. is, and uh, I would love to. I would love to talk about that if you're yeah, interested. Yeah, yeah, you piqued my yeah. interest. I mean, you talked about Wolf as well. Maybe we'll talk about that one as well when we do Wolf Cop. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was really great there. So, um, yeah, Beefy Beard was not a real schmuck talking about Jack Nicholson. I thought that was great. Yes, it, he was peeing on people. He peed on James Spader in that film. So <laughs> <laughs> Yes, he did. And he ate asparagus before he did it, That's apparently, right. which is just mean. Yeah. That's just That's mean. Right. So, <laughs> well, thank you for listening. That was very, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so before, yeah, before you talk about the other things, I just wanted to put that out there. Get you know, horophilia. Is it dot com or dot net? Dot com. com. Yeah, horophilia. dot com, or look up horophilia on iTunes and look up liking it and um check that new episode out because it was a really great one. But um, thank yeah. you. Thank you, Mark. No problem. Now, now, what else have you had going on as far as the other podcasts go? Well, on Devour, we're still doing our Friday the 13th retrospective. I swear we're never going to be done with that. Um, we did record Jason Goes to Hell. It's just not out yet, but that's the one that should be coming out next. And uh, then tomorrow night we're supposed to be recording the Jason X show. So hopefully that means Jason Goes to Hell will be coming out sometime soon. Um, but it's just slow going. Um, so we're still doing that. Um, we just had a new skeleton crew come out on the second where we talked about 3D movies uh, on the whole. But we spent a huge long time talking about specifically Friday the 13th Part 3. Mm. It came out in 3D. And that's because it was episode 103 of the skeleton crew. And it was also our third anniversary show. So there are just a lot of threes flying around there, you know, if you get the theme. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we did on there. I, I just recently, uh, this week I did two guest spots. One was on the projection booth mm. where uh, when it comes out, uh, I was discussing the movie Splice. And then I was on the show Banana Laser where we did an in-depth discussion of The Exorcist. 
So that's what I've been doing. So very, as always, very busy in the podcasting world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then, of course, Evil Episodes. We had an Evil Episodes come out, too, where we talked about the new film It Follows, which is has gained such momentum in theaters. It started out with just a very limited release in only L.A. and New York. It did so well there that it got a, a slightly larger release the next weekend. And then it did so well there that it just boomed. I mean, it just blew up. And, and got a nationwide release. So uh, this little film that was also filmed here in Michigan, and uh, it's doing really well for a reason, because it is amazing. So I recommend that you check that out, or at least check out the latest episode of Evil Episodes, where Brian and Mike Merriman and I talk all about it. Excellent. And again, we need... Spoiler-free, really. I mean, we actually delve into that one. I think it's pretty safe from spoilers we tried to be careful with that one because we want people to see well, it and we should maybe point out again uva bull speaking of michigan start making your movies there it's time to start <laughs> right <laughs> but, but that is great i think it's always great when you know especially like we talked about with michigan um you know trying to kind of boost that economy in, in detroit and um you know it's a great place i think to have movies and so i think it's yeah more you know getting the buzz out there about a film like this and really seeing it blow up i think would be really great for the for the film industry there I think so, too. So I hope it continues to gain momentum and do really, really well. It deserves yeah, it. Perfect. Now, um, uh, for, for the fans of the KNS uh, fanfic that I have out there, um, uh, volume uh, 163, um, uh where I do um, the, the, the guys uh, in space on, on the, uh, the Enterprise, uh, act out the birdcage. So, uh, oh, well, who does the Nathan Lane part? Um, I, I don't know if I want to give it away, but yes, uh, it is Spock. Spock is the Nathan Lane character. Oh, no, no, hilarious! No, of course not. No, Spock is Spock is Robin Williams. Spock is Robin Williams. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> you, you couldn't have Spock be Nathan Lane, you know? No, you're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. It, though it is, it you know, it 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 was. Oh, I pierced the toast. You pierced the toast. <laughs> It, it's a lot of work to try to just imagine Spock saying Madonna, Madonna, you know. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so so that should be available soon. And again, the blog. Um, I don't know um, when when we'll ever be back on the blog again. But um, you know, at least we we've got the podcast. We're gonna keep so it keeps the direct-to-video connoisseur alive during these lean these lean months when when the blog posts aren't aren't as uh, as prevalent. But hopefully, we'll get some more of those coming out soon. All right. Hey, well, that's our episode this week here, Jamie. Uh, it was a great conversation. Um, you know, I think we we did we talked enough about April Fool's Day, I believe. Yeah, we got the point across. <laughs> we got in there. You know, I really, I think um, people just need to watch mm-hmm. it uh, to understand because it does have some really fun, awesome kills in it, and well, kills in quotes here. Um, but yeah, I think you really need to check it out. Yeah, it's one of the more original ones, I think, and very well done well acted i really have no complaints and like i said i love the score so um i think this is a good example of an 80s slasher yeah, i i agree i couldn't agree more i think that that's my first take on it when i reviewed it six years ago and it's still my take now that it like you said it's a great example of an 80s slasher and it's a lot of fun so uh, definitely check this out all right well thank you all for listening um and and i hope to see you all here or I guess we wouldn't be seeing you at all, but we hope that you're here next week uh, listening to us on the Direct-to-Video Connoisseur Podcast. So have a great night, everyone. Yep, bye, everyone. Uh